Welcome to this episode of Rumination. I'm your host, Eric Irish, and joining me this week will be Tom Bojarski. Okay, find me somebody just as weird as me. And a first-time guest, Brian Kale. Efficient coffee delivery. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Rumination Show. Send us an email at ruminationshow at gmail.com. And visit our website at ruminationshow.com. Yeah. That was probably the best clap I think we've ever had. That, <laughs> that is a good sign. That good was one claps. hell of a clap. That <laughs> yeah. might be the best clap yeah. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so Brian, if you want to give a little introduction, um, feel free to get us started. So I guess today's topic was the one I pitched, which was uh, what if through analytics and quantification of statistics and big data, your life was turned into a game, like it was gamified through tracking of statistics and your daily routines, and through the tracking of these goals could be set, achievements, leaderboards, and potential rewards could be pitched and set as well. Uh, I think that there's... Ooh, rewards, yeah. So I, I feel like there's a lot of actual real-world future application of this, but there's also some questionable signs and some things that would have to be discussed about it. But I think it's important to note that a lot of this is kind of already starting to take place in our daily lives. Uh, I think the best example, and I I guess the most um, ubiquitous example right now is probably like the Fitbit and like fitness trackers. I was just about to say that too. Yeah. Yeah, and we're starting to see heart rate um, be quantified, like sleeping during workouts, uh, I guess while you're eating like all day, I think that might be kind of the first and that's steps, I guess, but steps are something that don't really take place well, when you're sitting down, obviously. I feel like the beginning where like where this will really be pushed is in the health industry of mm-hmm. tracking exercise and food. And we already have a lot of apps that track both exercise and food, but I, I think there might be one app that is trying to make it a game, but there's not been any one massive successful and ubiquitous thing that everyone just has like everyone knows what fitbit is so imagine if fitbit just all of a sudden said well we're going to start now tracking your food and all this stuff because you they had like their new fitbit tracks a lot now Mm -hmm. um so it's there's a lot of potential here we're not just talking so like right now not just fitness oh yeah our quantification is just like calories and steps yeah. walked but we're we're like going like the next level just like yeah a- anything about your life that you can imagine being quantified <laughs> like the number of times you've cracked your knuckles like the number of poops ah, you've yes. taken like yes. every little statistic about your life hours slept like rem cycles yeah. even yeah like, so that's what I I wrote in the notes I love about GTA is that you can go back and you can see like how many miles you've driven all those things like that um how many pedestrians run over and how many yeah. people so yeah. we would have those real life stats too yeah. you know we we would have the people killed <laughs> statistic you could see how many people <laughs> each person has killed um yeah. and it's it's fairly easy to track a lot of these because you already have a, a mobile gps device on you basically 24 7 and that's your phone uh, yeah. And then once wearables become more like actually ubiquitous, that uh, that is when this will really take off. Yeah, I had this idea for for an app like back when the app craze was really big. Um, and I always love you know you guys play StarCraft or, or, yeah. or whatever, and like the fog of war that exists in all the RTS games of like kind of being revealed. I wanted to do that in real life, 
so that you can kind of see, like, oh, how much of the world have I unfogged? Oh, yeah. Um, That's cool. And actually, like, a year after I thought of it and thought of doing it, and then I was like, nobody's going to fucking care about that. Somebody did come out with that, and I could probably, like, look it up and see if it still exists. I... I was on a plane with a guy that used something like that, and he would mm-hmm. um, he would record on his phone. I, he showed me he had all these like paths from to and from cities. Like I, I yeah. was on, I was flying to like the Raleigh Durham Airport, and he yeah, showed here me it is. His, it's called it's called Fog of World. Fog yeah. of and World. It was last updated January seventeenth, twenty fourteen. I don't know if it's really well. It might just going be anymore. working, and there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah, but like, this like I'll I'll post the link, guys. But um, this is like just kind of uh, an app that shows you probably in your home city. It's it's nice and unfogged, but I guess it has how much of the world you've seen and how much of Asia and Africa you've seen, which based on this screenshot, I don't think this person has like uncovered half of North America. But Well, I mean, um, how many people do you know that have even been to all exactly. 50 states, let alone? Right, exactly. Oh. I guess if you fly, you can uh, gain some. Does it count if you're flying? No, I, I I wondered like personally if I would do that on my version or not. Um, but. he he was doing it while flying, and it was showing like uh, the paths no. of his plane. But I think like we could take so that's like a uh, that's kind of a narrow way of tracking location. I think right. if with quantification data like the data we're talking about, you would develop like heat maps of mm-hmm. like your yeah. the areas you frequent and everything which would like be that. like very probably more depressing than oh interesting for most I, people <laughs> i would not want to see my personal heat map <laughs> just see yeah. myself in this chair um, oh. <laughs> or, i don't know it'd be humiliating tom is a solo mid lane player <laughs> <laughs> yeah tom s- spends all of his time in mid um but. yeah so and when like you guys mentioned kind of the the medical benefits from something like this um, I think we'd get a lot of kind of machine learning based on relations <laughs> with gender and race and all this upgrowing, you know, upbringing and stuff. Go ahead, Tom. It would be super useful for solving problems like the pay gap, like the gender pay gap, hmm. for example. So you could see the statistics in a person's life early on and see. So there's this uh, there's a an ongoing discussion about like women in math and men in teaching, for example. So like what, what are the statistics that we could look at from women and men that end up in like computing professions versus like Mm -hmm. teaching professions? And you could overlap and see like, Oh, like men who, I don't know, read this many books as kids ended up teaching or like this variety of books and like women who solved this variety of problem. I don't know. I don't know what the statistics would right, be, yeah. but you, you, you could track down like what kind of statistics lead to socialization into certain, I don't, I don't know, professional fields. Yeah. So I put down a note about like a company that would do this, that would derive your um, starting attributes, let's say, if we're going to use like gaming oh, terms, man. <laughs> from like your genetic makeup, right? Because, uh, you know, I'm not a genetic scientist, but I'm assuming you could kind of make relations if you were able to uh, analyze someone's, you know, genome basically, right? We're getting into Gattaca and, territory here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you, This is some movie and you name this company something like that sounds futuristic, they, but also just a little evil. They've called Cyberdyne Industries, of course. Cyberdyne Industries, there you go, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but like when you came out of the womb, this, this is what I always loved too, 
Um, I have this like theory. I think we talked about another episode that like there are people who are the best at um, like Tom is doing now, picking up their coffee cup and most efficiently delivering the liquid into their mouth. (laughs) Efficient coffee delivery. Yeah. And and you talked about leaderboards, Brian. We need to have a global leaderboard for like, oh, wow. It turns out that I'm the best person in the world for um, quickly taking off my sunglasses. Which, you know, this would this would put the Guinness Book of World Records out of business overnight. Yeah, because everyone really would start point. using these leaderboards instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder too if if like this company Cyberdyne existed with um, kind of a predisposition towards a certain career or talent. Well, if people would like really take that to heed. So that was one of the questions I brought up in the show notes in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was who like so this is blatantly it is social engineering. That is unquestionable right. that this would be social engineering. The question is, who sets the rules? To what ends? And then, obviously, the people who are setting the rules are also playing the game. So it kind of is this feedback loop of mm. everyone is just, oh, I set these rules because I want this to happen. But then they become influenced by the own engineering that they set, and then they forget that they even engineered. Yeah, so let's talk about kind of, like you said, the rules and the goals and you mentioned rewards in there. What would kind of like this global game look like? Well, I think well, – one, I think this would be one driving factor to keep people motivated to be a productive member of society when robots take all their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with no shred of art. Like, like I, I legitimately think that this will be one way to keep people who – are left behind by the automation of a lot of the workforce. It will keep people from just sitting in their houses. Also, it'll be a great way, as I said, health to motivate, to get people to learn. You would have multiple different branches of you go down the learning tech tree in this. And Mm. so like level one is you read these books to unlock level two where you get new books and then you get perks and rewards and the rewards could be free books and tools for the, teaching and learning. And then if you're going to be an athlete, you go down the athlete tech tree and the, the um, opportunity for like self help and stuff like that would be huge. Cause you, you could boil everything down to like, look, if you want to be better at playing guitar or writing novels or playing video games. Like these are the statistics you want to focus on. You want to look at mm. these ones and you want to try and improve your score here. And I don't know, I, at least for somebody with a brain like mine, like I'm very like numbers driven. Um, this, this would be hugely helpful for me improving in, in any aspect of my daily life. And not only that, we will provide you positive feedback and reward. We will put the carrot on the stick to keep you going which is what so many people have a trouble doing. So, yeah, can you can you talk more about like this feedback and reward though? Like, I, I guess I don't. I, so, I don't. There's there are currently a lot of statistics showing just someone who's trying to lose weight and exercise, just having someone say, "Hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, keep at it." Even if like you don't even know who this person is, there are statistics. There is statistical evidence right now that shows that people are more likely to continue on with their exercise plan or do better. So imagine if this app, even if it was an automated, like, robot... It's, Reminder service. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's Scarlett Johansson from her or something. Like, right. they, well, like, we create some super... I'm not saying it's an AI, but we create some super advanced 
chatbot that is pre-programmed to do these things and make you feel good. And it's just constantly giving you positive reinforcement. And then that's on top of you get your summaries. Like you could have daily and weekly reports, which everyone like just being shown your progress. That's why they say if you want to lose weight, you always weigh yourself so you can actually see it. It helps you stay motivated. And then if you get rewards on top of that, that's even better. Mm-hmm. I, I, I bet you that's, like you say, this kind of chatbot service or this companion is something that's currently in development at Fitbit or one of these like, oh, large fitness things. For the sure. personal, your personal chatbot is, is coming. As we all, right, it's like the battle between Siri, trainer. Cortana, and whatever the hell right. Amazon that's true. calls that's their true. thing. It's a, it's a, you're right. It's a kind of a combination of the data plus that kind of yeah. um, service there. Uh, Tom, you, you wrote in, in the notes, and I, I thought of kind of it too. Um, could these life scores replace standardized tests or license requirements? As in certifications no longer need to be tested for, they just need to be kind of passively acquired. I would take it a step further. It'll replace school. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it's the digital Socrates, which is a big kind of movement. I don't know if you've heard about it now. People talking about uh, completely throwing out the school system that we use to do something more along the lines of pro- tiered like levels of learning and training. Not to hijack Tom's question. <laughs> so, wouldn't you still like need school to like build up right, the foundations of those statistics? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. theoretically, you would have it all built into the app. As I said, like level one, you start with like level one math is you do positives and negatives. Oh, and okay. Level, I see what you're level saying. Level ten, you start doing multiplication tables. Uh, but that's getting super, I would say that it's more help, like getting rid of this replacing school is much further down like the road. Yeah. Cause you have to, there's no real way to tell if you know something without a test. Right. I mean, you couldn't have seen it. I would say that it's still whether a test. You, right. Yeah. Right. Whether you've digested it or not is the real question. And that's obviously what tests are for. Um, but in terms of getting kind of a checking off boxes, like, you know, when you get your driver's license, you have to have a certain number of hours of driving and, you know, all this stuff, kind of requirements like that could be pretty interesting in how they accumulate um, as you check them off. And I, I feel like a cool thing. <laughs> no, this is this is like the line gets a little bit hazy between like, oh, this is such a benefit to like human life. Versus, like, this whole sinister idea of, like, tracking every aspect of your life. Um, Well, that's where the social engineering questions come in. But you could, like, I don't know, going to the doctor and, like, getting, finding out you're pregnant or (laughs) anything like that. You would get, somebody could quickly digest any of your statistics and you could get, like, a parenting score. You know what I mean? Like, how how good is this person as a potential parent? Right, and so... On that note, too, I think we would probably um, find a lot of unsavory things about yeah. your quantified self, right? Like maybe... Oh, it would be uh, looking in the mirror that a lot of people don't want right. to look at. Yeah, and, and if, Tom, you wrote about military recruitment and like siphoning individuals with certain statistics. You know, some people say, oh, you know, the military is a lot, a lot of a punishment for people who can't find the right path or whatever. But um, I think you would have people, oh, this person, you know, drinks 27 beers every day. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't, wouldn't we as a 27 society, beers every day. <laughs> wouldn't we as a society want that? Like, wouldn't we want to somehow be able to identify the Einsteins when they're five and then latch onto them and tr- give them every opportunity to 
be the next Einstein. Yeah, but what if what if it, but you're getting into Minority Report and then you're identifying the Charlie Mansons, and then is it your responsibility to cut them off early or what? Well, <laughs> are you, that's the question: is how. Right, that's a lot of how, kids that talk about freedom yeah. and predisposition and all that now, stuff. Are you guys familiar with, there's a, a, I think he was like a utilitarian philosopher. His name was like, I think his name was Charles Rawls, R-A-W-L-S. And he has this whole thing called the Rawlsian approach to any sort of like moral, moral dilemma. Basically, you take a moral dilemma and the Rawlsian approach is to remove yourself entirely from the dilemma and analyze mm. things as a as a third party. Um, I think if we were taking the Rawlsian approach to like any of these statistics, like recruiting people from the military, finding and latching on to the Einsteins and the Hawkings and the Gates and whatnot, um, I think anybody approaching this from like a Rawls perspective would be like, yeah, absolutely. Let's get these statistics. But as soon as you're Mm -hmm. any of the people involved, even (laughs) if you are the Einstein, even if you are the Hawking or anything like that, I think a lot of people wouldn't want to be, I I guess I I use the word siphon. Like you wouldn't want to be siphoned into what your profession is. No, but I'm kind of feeling like the Ender's Game approach of like, he doesn't want to go to battle school, but he's been picked because of his his psychic abilities score. and relations and genetics and all that stuff. And and that's kind of a decision that's thrust upon him. And eventually, you know, I don't know who's read the book or not. I have, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that maybe he doesn't want to be forced into. I mean, you should all read the book so we could spoil that book because it's great. Exactly, the ending of that book yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's incredible. One ending. of the best reveals. Yeah, um, I've, so. I've read the first Ender's Game. But oh, that's I the only one you really need to read. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Ender's Shadow is pretty good too. I, I, go ahead, Brian. I, but so here's the thing with that: the beauty of this is because it's a game, everyone will be playing it, and it'll be fun. And I, I feel like. There will be a certain segment of the population. I apologize. I'm in the Brooklyn now, as you can hear outside. There is a certain <laughs> segment of the population who will probably reject this. But the fact that it's a fun, b very rewarding and positive, and if like for, assuming it doesn't go crazy around down the Ender's Game and Gattaca level <laughs> of we predetermine mm-hmm. everything in your life. Like if we just get to a level of we're using this to make everyone super productive, super healthy, and try to be the better you. I, I think that that is the sweet spot where most people will accept it and embrace like the benefits of it. But that being said, what, the, who sets the rules? Right, and what do you think the anti-movement would look like? The contrarian or the... It would be the um, people off who don't j- join the system. Completely off the grid. Do you think they would live still kind of among well, us? Well, so this is getting into uh, more topics than just this one. It No. True. No, I do not. You, they would not be able to live with us. Like, hmm. in in 30 years, if you're not on in the system, if you're not using <laughs> your cell phone, if you don't have like a, smart, a super smart cell phone, you're not paying with digital money, you basically will not be able to function in this modern economy. And that's that's like legitimately happening. That's what I'm saying, though, is like this, it, like, it's so easy to think of all the benefits that this kind of system would bring, but it's also like very, very sinister. Like it's, there's, there's a lot of dark stuff that comes as a consequence of this. Well, the, so every it, technological advancement always has a negative, like, so when humans, our lifespan used to be 40 years, cancer didn't exist, but 
or it, it existed, but it was not as widespread as it is now. Now we're all living to close to 100, and cancer's everywhere, and that's more or less because we were able to li- we're able to live so long now. So would you say that it's a bad thing that we live so long? Look how much suffering there is now with all this cancer later in life. Or mm-hmm. is it just a disease we uncovered because we live longer? So every time you make a progress, a new problem is created. So if we extend our lifespan to 200 years, I guarantee you there'll be a new disease that starts creeping up around age 150. That's just will be the next thing we have to overcome. And that's like my devil's advocate argument about I I think that's a that's a really convincing argument too I it but it like it it is hard for me like I'm just trying to think so there's two sides to this coin because everybody's gonna have statistics in their profile that are just dark and they don't want anybody (laughs) to know like everybody's gonna have them so do you think people are going to become I guess more open and accepting of I, hmm. of the weirdness in other people's lives or <laughs> well, is are people going to shut themselves off and like oh that guy has like masturbated like 200% <laughs> more than anybody else like this guy's a weirdo um and this it, is obviously assuming that all of this is transparent yeah i was yeah. just about to say like i have to assume that you should be able to opt out of some of these leaderboards like <laughs> yeah, but so tom that's a, like a good transition into kind of what you talked about with the dating and stuff how you know and but then again to to, to again be the contrarian maybe not the 200% masturbation uh, statistic but People would love to like be matched up data wise to someone who is just as weird and and you know in a certain niche as they are. So yeah, me personally, like online dating would be a dream for me with this. Like I would be able to like I don't know see how many hours of video games somebody played or I don't see I don't, I'd be able to find all kinds of interesting statistics about people. So do you think like a, a middleman would arise that? Um, it wasn't there some like quiz about fetishes where you and your partner sit there and, and you each take it. And then if two of you like happen to have the same fetish, then it, it tells that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all the evil people in the world just checked off that they had every single fetish and then whatever the other person had, boom. Um, but I guess you could assume there'd be this service that would pop up that would do those kind of bleak, um, but necessary comparisons in like a double blind, yeah. Well, like kind of middleman way. You go to like H and R Block and you trust them with your financial <laughs> information. You know what right, I mean? And right, they right. do your taxes. You go to like I, I don't know some other service and you're like, okay, find me somebody just as weird as me, and <laughs> like you you can see all of this ghastly shit about my <laughs> um, past. But I I, I don't think know. it would take so right now. If your parents saw your internet history, they'd be horrified. If anyone yeah. saw your internet history, they'd be horrified. I'm pretty the, sure if anybody goes through anyone else's well, search exactly. history. Yeah. But, so now you see where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah. Your internet history is out there to be found, but no mm-hmm. one's looking at it because no one cares. No yeah, one, security no one cares. through it, security well, through obscurity. It's, it's not that, that it's just it? secure. It's just no one cares. Yeah. Like there's there's seven billion people on the planet. The odds of someone caring enough to look at your internet history are not that great. Yeah, I think that the, the term for that is security through obscurity. Yeah. Like, there's no security there. It's just everyone is so obscure that it's... And I, um, the same thing mm-hmm. would be with your big data, like your quantified data. You, there are crazy statistics of you right now that is floating around in the big data circles. Just it's... 
Oh yeah, dude. Some of the ads I get served, I'm just like, what? What's going on? Double, <laughs> so, double what do you know plugs. about me? What's wrong, Tom? <laughs> yeah. uh, um. So I, I think no, that's, uh, yeah, security through obscurity will be the de facto way of this and just accepting that. Do you think people would, I mean, you talked about how the uh, Guinness Book of World Records would be rendered obsolete. There would be some guy who would live stream his life of trying to achieve the most poops, like Tom said. I, I guarantee <laughs> you there's already someone doing that right now. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'm not going to try to look that up because, again, my internet history doesn't need to reflect that. Um but yeah, you'd have these people going for these things, and just like our last episode, the purge. If I guess somehow people like were dumb enough to kill people and have it tracked, like there would be someone in Eastern Europe just going around trying to be like the king of the mercenary mountain. Well, I, you know? I, theoretically, murder would be one of the things tracked, and that would help end murder. It would help. <laughs> That's it would, true. Like, would you really? Would it? Re- is minority report? Uh, is minority report a problem? If we we use precogs to end murder, I I I feel. I mean, it's a great film, and it, it no, did bring up a lot of questions. The film is great, and the questions. book is great, but I would sacrifice the child to save humanity. So I would say, yeah, put those two, three psychics in that chair. <laughs> precogs. Put in those there. three precogs back in there to make sure no one's murdering anyone, because you know what? Huh. That is more people benefit from that, and I feel. It's yeah, it's, it, I'm just saying that's a slippery uh, slope again. It's yeah. like you come out of the womb, and you're like, oh, this guy's. The next uh, serial killer, and it's like, yep, oh, better just uh, put him that in jail. That would be and the one life. thing we'd have to fight against is the slippery right. slope. It's, you could like pattern match, like, okay, here are like the biggest serial killers in history, and here are all of their statistics. Like mm-hmm. this guy is matching these statistics like pretty closely. He hasn't killed anybody yet, but he looks a lot like a serial killer. <laughs> looks and, like Charles Manson. Yeah, exactly. You put him on the watch list. You yeah. Know? yeah, I would say put him on the watch list. Definitely. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that stuff, that's where things start to get scary for me. That's when, the, yeah, because everything else, the system sounds so good. But when you start getting into shit like that, because I, I guess I don't know how deterministic these statistics will end up being. Like, I don't know how mm. um, definitive you'll be able to tell how a person's behavior ends up just based on their first 10 years of data. Um, and maybe right. we never will be. I think... Long-term statistics of your future might not ever be possible. Yeah. We could see probabilities and, within a certain degree of accuracy, predict. But in the end, everyone changes in adolescence, and then you change again around 25. Uh, you are not the same person right. you were when you are 15. You don't have the same tastes. You, you, like, the only connection you have to that 15-year-old person is your name. Everything else is completely mm-hmm. different. Uh, yeah. I can see this approaching mm-hmm. kind of the equilibrium model where you are, like, medicated based off of your um, kind of chemical makeup to it just so everyone is kind of, like, baselined into this kind of middle standard there, you know, which would, again, be but what kind if, of freaky. What if someone came along and made a, a quest chain that through exercise and positive meditation and thinking, people stop being depressed. Uh, what if they were able to... So most dr- al- alcoholics and drug addicts are only that way because their lives are bad or they have something wrong. And if through this app we were able to like make people feel more fulfilled and take, put, take time away from them, make them do stuff, 
we could see rates of alcoholism in drug use go down. But do you think, so there's two sides to this coin. There's one in that this is like the self-improvement. Everybody, like this app is working to make everybody happier and everybody's working together. But then there's also the Gattaca side of things where like the people who just don't cut it are worthless and nobody really cares. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it, I'm not convinced that, um, I'm not convinced that people would be so willing and ready to help um, others out. I think there would be a lot of discrimination. I think there'd be a lot of, um, I don't know. Well, like you're only in like the 20th percentile for this statistic. Like I'm not interested in helping you become a better person. Yeah. I think this would even happen before birth, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying is you're afraid the future will be exactly like right now. You're afraid <laughs> the future will be as bad as it is right now. So that is that is a fear that we, we should probably that's another look in the mirror thing. Like that's already happening right now, dude. If you aren't super rich, good looking, and like went to the best Ivy League schools, your families are super connected, and you know the right people, you're not really going to amount to much, like much in this life. Uh, outside of... You might buy a Chewbacca mask and put it on and go viral. Yeah, but those are accidents and her 15 minutes of fame will be over. Like, those <laughs> I know, I know, lightning in the kidding. bottle moments for people don't happen that often. I think they, I mean, but statistically, let's say they, they happen less than 1%. You know, something like this would just wipe them out. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's just a, completely. The, it, it would be like faking it would still be an option or is still an option right now. <laughs> true. Yeah, or true, faking true. it until you make it. Or, or it'll raise the bar, which means the people who might not have been any good will become better. I think it's a, half, it's a glass hmm. half full, glass half empty kind of way. So you're saying point, yeah. that what if the people who don't make the cut, they just get left behind? Well, I, well, I would counter with, well, what if through this app that they are able to actually – rise above their what to become the better version of themselves uh the one thing and this is this is almost an absurd argument to make but i talked in a previous episode about how i felt when i was told in middle school i don't know if this is true at all when i was told in middle school that i could never be an astronaut because i was already too tall um Hmm. like that was not a good feeling (laughs) <laughs> and regardless, I like I, I wasn't planning to be an astronaut or anything like that, but I feel like that that feeling would be amplified exponentially. Just like I would, on the outset, just have all of these things, um, all of these things yeah, displayed also, in front of me that I just aren't options anymore. That person had a very narrow view that spacecraft would never be bigger, get large yeah. enough to accommodate <laughs> yeah. someone over the height of like six foot. Like, it's like you know. if I turned out to be just like an exemplary astronaut, that they wouldn't just make a spacesuit that fit me <laughs> or something yeah. like it. Well, so, <laughs> as you said, it was an absurdist argument a little bit. I, I think that once again, more doors would be open to more people. Uh, any like you'd have more opportunity because if you had these guidelines in this path and it's like this is the best way to become a writer, a best way to become a musician, a best way to become an astronaut, you would literally be able to see what you needed to strive for and do. And then if you don't do it, I, I that's more on you than it is on someone telling you you can't yeah. do it. But what if it's saying that like, oh, there's there's uh you're not part of the two percent of the population that is 
incredibly predisposed to be astronauts. Yeah. So you might as well not even try. Well, yeah, that's the the whole determinism argument for this. Like, we don't know how deterministic these statistics will end up being. So, and, you, right. but, so we're also talking about a very niche job, astronaut. Which yeah. true. And like that's like but what if it's like oh man you're gonna be a great janitor and you just need to use pine saw and then learn <laughs> well, you how forgot to no one's gonna mop. be a janitor because the robots are janitors so <laughs> that's fair so as long as that happens you know so like what, what, so like you're right niche jobs like super crazy niche jobs like neurobrain surgeons you're right not everyone can and will be able to do that but I at the same time I want the best people to do that so i don't that's care true and it's, if little jimmy is told i'm sorry man you can't be an astronaut it is really cool to think about um things like people that have kind of been identified as superhumans you know your lebron james's your even kind of like the lance armstrong thing it's pretty apparent that they were going to rise to the top in a very kind of visual like oh look at that guy you know um but for things that aren't as easy to spot it would be pretty cool to think that, oh, there's probably someone walking around in Utah um, who would be uh, the best astronomer ever, but just didn't really get that shot or wasn't you know, exposed to that kind of thing. Um, so that, that's pretty cool to need to think about. Tom, you mentioned something about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, I was just would about you to talk, talk about that. that? Yeah. Um, so the Dunning-Kruger effect, for those unfamiliar, is just this, it's a psychological phenomenon where... Um, People of low skill in a certain field tend to um, tend to estimate their abilities higher than than reality, and people with high skill in similar fields tend to estimate their abilities lower in comparison to their field or in t- comparison to their peers. And so, this is very apparent in. Um, a, a lot of things like school, like college classes, and everything like that. A lot of the uh, the less apt students in a classroom will see themselves as equal to the smarters and the uh, more proficient people in the classroom. Those well, smarters. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, a, there's a Bertrand Russell quote, one of my favorites, that says, the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves, but the wiser people so full of doubt. Yeah, yeah that's exactly the Dunning-Kruger effect. And right. something like the Dunning-Kruger effect, it would be... Like, to the best people in the world, the people in the highest percentile, they would have definitive proof of their <laughs> their aptitude, whereas, like, people who sucked would see that they suck. And there would be very little that you could do to kind of convince yourself out of that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think if the world became more analytical and quantified, it would change culture in the way we are in general. So this is a world where people are just more open to the data their anyways, and their flaws. So I think you were, we were talking earlier about the horrors of our statistics. People would probably just weed that out because we would be, this is what I'm doing wrong. This is how I get rid of it. Do you think that like recreational, um, like, uh, so the Australian women's soccer team Rated fifth in the world, and I'm I'm already regretting using this example. I'm <laughs> um, rated fifth in the world for women's soccer. Um, lost last week to a League B um, English under fourteen boys team. Wow. Well, okay, they lost seven to zero. So, and you know, women's. I, I went to a lot of like professional women's soccer games when I was a kid because I have two sisters and they played soccer, and they think they were fun to watch, but. Like, there has been approximately 10 dunks that have happened in the history of the WNBA, right? And so now, do you think 
you know, women's basketball or women's soccer doesn't really need to exist in comparison to men's soccer because men's soccer is faster, you know, they dunk more in the NBA, stuff like that. Do you think that recreational things that aren't at the top of their game would continue to exist for the purposes of existing? Or would they just kind of be wiped aside well, do you for think, So you're the saying best? that the WNBA exists for the purpose of existing? I think there is a market for it and people enjoy it. It mostly stems from okay. college women's basketball, which is very popular. But if you're – true, but if you're rating – if you want to see the best basketball in the world, the WNBA is probably well, not the best the reason place why, to see it, objectively. The reason, that's the reason why the NBA gets the ratings. Uh, I would right. say that through quantified data, the gender gaps – in all mm-hmm. things would be blatantly apparent, as they already are. Right. It is mm-hmm. naive to think physically that men and women are identical when we know for a fact right. they're not. And that's also to say it is naive to think that men and women are mentally the same. Uh, but, I, mm-hmm. I believe there are a lot of statistics that show men and women. Now, that's not to say that all men and women fall into these categories, but women test better in academics, like certain academic fields, and men test better in different fields. That is just, right. like, a fact. And... Well, that's what I was kind of getting at earlier, is we'd be able to see the statistics that um, lead into, like... Because it's unclear right now whether they're... I shouldn't say it's unclear, but it's... Oh, man. Talking about this kind of stuff is really touchy. <laughs> well, look, so um, it, we is, it is. It is. I just brought it up. My fault. Like, like, he just said, uh, 14-year-old boys beat the Australian women's soccer uh, football team. Like... There's a reason why any time, like, in the 70s, the man played the woman in tennis. Like, they, there's a reason why mm. they don't match the men against the women. Um, and it's because men are twice as fast, twice as strong. Now, that's not to say... That as, a, as, a, as a side note, though, I, I forgot what the, na- the name of the tennis player was. Was it Billie yeah, Jean? Yeah, Billie Jean and... Uh, Billie Jean King, yeah. And what's his name? He was retired, but she well, won Well, he was also that, 50 years old. He was really exactly. old. Exactly, he was quite a bit older. Um, You're right. But, I mean, yeah, that, that is a funny kind of interesting thing that did happen. You're right. Um, Tom, you have more say on this or no? Well, I was just saying, like, the things that – yeah, it was just back to my point earlier about socialization, how you could see um, the differences in statistics of those girls that do test academically better than boys and vice versa. And it, I, I almost think, like, the um, – like, we wouldn't – the lines between genders could become more blurred. Like we, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like a world with this kind of quantification, you would see um, gender neutral professional sports um, things. And so like if a woman comes into the basketball scene and she can, like she is physically capable. Yeah, she of would playing, get identified as that. Yeah, yeah and people, people would be able to like see her statistics and be like, wow, she really is just as good as these other right. guys. Like she put her in the NBA. And I, I, I think the world would be much more open. To I stuff think that'd like be that. awesome. And, yeah. and, and let's talk about non-physical sports. The future of sports is kind of digital sports. And I think that mm-hmm. there is where the gender gap is completely neutralized. Right. I think the only reason mm-hmm. there aren't more women in, gen- in uh, digital sports is because of social pressures and norms with men and women when it comes to video games. But as time goes right. on, we could be seeing more and more women playing these sports. And w- mm-hmm. I don't know if we've yet to see if men are just flat out better at these sports, like Dota and Counter-Strike or not. Like, <laughs> right. we d- I don't think Starcraft we know. Starcraft or whatever. Yeah. But we're in baseball, yeah, that's, that's we're in physical point, yeah. sports, we know that men are just stronger. 
and bigger. Mm-hmm. Men are just mm-hmm. literally bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in chess, mm-hmm. women are can, are just as good as men in chess. In poker, yeah. but it's interesting too how um, Scrabble. I was reading about and Scrabble is played like the the demographic of Scrabble players is like eighty eight percent female, but the top Scrabble players in the world are all male. Yeah, but that could just really? be social and cultural pressures. That's really weird, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's Dude, that's pretty wild. Every girl I've ever dated has kicked my ass <laughs> in words with friends. And yeah, my aunt is amazing at yeah. words with friends. She, she's a speech pathologist. You know pathologist, why? because so they all but, Googled the words, right? It will, and, <laughs> and because, oh, man, they do that bullshit with, with the two letters, like two-letter uh, words. That, I, I'm not Those interested. Those girls and their two-letter words. <laughs> that, that's what I always get so frustrated when I lose the entire game to XI. Like, fuck that. It's, yeah, right. That's not a word. Uh, it is yeah. in China. Um, yeah, That's so why it's there, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to kind of bring it home, why don't we talk about our uh, most interesting or favorite idea that would revolve around this quantified and gamified self? What would we like to get out of personally? So, like, what statistics would we want to look at for yeah, ourselves? Right. Yeah. Um, you first, Eric. Okay, me first. Um, again, at the at the the risk of sounding like a complete misogynist, um, I'm a twin. Um, Tom has met my twin sister and she is my sister. I'm not an identical twin. I can only imagine. But when you grow up with a twin in in a very small school system, um, you tend to encounter a lot of competition. And I always wanted like this God of, uh, data and equality to be like, who's better at, you know, eating me or my sister, who's better at this or that my sister or I. So I think it'd be really fun (laughs) To be able to, without a doubt, say that I'm better at something than my twin sister. A, <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but it's a, it's, it's a real thing. I met thing. an identical twin last night. Uh, I had known one of them through work, and I met the identical one. Uh-huh. So I, I might actually ask them to know, to see if there is some yeah, sort of Yeah, right, and I think it'd be interesting, too. I think with an identical twin, like, you are, you have the same DNA, right? So maybe it's kind of this acceptance of, like, oh... We are just two sides to the same coin, so I'm not going to try to compete because I know that I am no different. It's just kind of slight differences in our nurture that has created that, where when you have a fraternal twin of the same gender or another gender, it's kind of like, oh, well, we started at the exact same time, so we've had you know the level playing field in that sense, and we tend to be doing all the same have things together. Have you heard so. of the St. Louis Twins, the Twin City Twins? It was a famous study no. of twins in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and the city across. Uh-huh. The twins were separated at birth, and they reconnected later in life. They had never met each other, never known each other, and they didn't connect until they were 20. Uh, and mm-hmm. when they met up, they were both married to women that looked almost identical. They had similar tastes, mannerisms, haircuts, flaws. Like, every, <laughs> like it was crazy. Uh, and it was a very yeah. famous study that I'd recommend you check out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and that's interesting. So it's like, there to them, it sounded like there would be no need for competition because, again, things were kind of deterministic in their case. I mean, obviously that's not the case. Well, they didn't know each other, which is identical twins. More interesting. True. Yeah, it's it's really odd. But for for a case like mine, competition is kind of more uh, there because you know I'm the boy, she's the girl, blah blah blah. So yeah, that's what I'd like. Um, for me, like. I guess going through college, computer science and all of that, 
um, computer science is one of those fields where there's a lot of people who just say, like, I just don't get it. Like, I just can't program. I just mm-hmm. don't have the brain for programming or anything like that. And that's something, like, I look back on my college experience and I had, especially in my first two years, I felt like I did not have the brain for programming. Like, the I just didn't, I wasn't able to do it. Um, I would be really interested in... Mm. trying to uncover statistics that would point to whether or not it is like a person to person thing, or if it's something that everybody can do if they just put the work into it. And that's really interesting for something as complex, like you say, as computer science. Yeah. And so I, like, I very strongly believe that anybody who wants to program, like if they really want to program, they can, and they will, but that doesn't seem Mm -hmm. to be, um, generally accepted across the board like i know a lot of my family members just like i i can't program like that's what they say but yeah and it's hard to put um an indicator of talent on that right yeah if if you're looking to you know uh, do something with a lot of dexterity oh i don't really have a lot you know play guitar i don't have a lot of dexterity in my coordinate in that sense but there's nothing that you can say Somebody's like, oh, well, I'm not smart enough for that. But like, eh, what the heck does that mean? So I would be interested. I don't know what the statistics would be that I look at. Like, I don't know, like number of crossword puzzles solved or (laughs) something like that. But I I would be interested to see like, what are the statistics common among people who end up being programmers and uh, vice versa? And I'd be interested in figuring out a lot of problems of that nature. Um, Right. And see if you could identify... And at you know an attribute indicator of that yeah you know that you could be rated on yeah, yeah. so that's mine yeah, that's cool. not particularly exciting or anything like that but no I'm, uh, I I think that that's one of the main benefits uh, mine would of course be health weight management exercise as someone who struggles with that uh, I think that that is very near in our future and will be one of the like if we legitimately can get everyone like. On a on an, on ubiquitously to somehow start exercising and eating properly, and we fix our food problems, that will be as big as the internet. I think it'll be a turning point in human history. Of yeah, so so obviously like you're a motivated guy, and and people and, and putting something out step by step on a silver platter would make it easier for a lot of people. Um, but do you think that? I mean, there's probably some people who just wouldn't do it because they didn't want to put the work in. Well, so, like, the way I envision the app is uh, it, it would be moder- – like, you would have, like – like, you could be, like, weight loss plan. It's, like, this is your pre-plan. Here are your meals. Like, you like, have you to. You have to. And there would be pe- – I would say that there <laughs> yeah. would be penalties to not doing some of the things. Mm. I was, like – we didn't really – not to jump back into the discussion. I would say certain aspects of this – Certain quests would be mandatory, I would say. And one of mm-hmm. them would be health and food. Uh, I think that that's kind of coming anyways. Uh, we all eat mm-hmm. like shit and we all are unhealthy. Even the healthy people eat like shit. Uh, and like, with, there's going to be lawsuits coming up against these food companies <laughs> and stuff. Because once, we, once cancer is done, it's going to be heart diseases killing everyone next. And mm-hmm. th- that's because they poison our food. They put... Well, crap on our foods. Yeah, mandatory quests would be like the replacement for some kind of school curriculum. Yeah. It, like, you, like you were saying before. Uh, that and something, as I said, because no one's going to be working because of the robots, of course. They, you would have to <laughs> do something. This would be a way to keep you from just sitting around doing nothing all day and being positive. 
Uh, well, gentlemen, I, I am personally not totally convinced that this would end well for everybody, but I'm optimistic. I'm in your boat, Tom. Yeah. I, I, I'm optimistic, but I, it's not a guarantee that this turns out oh, well. I know it won't end well I imagine, but it'll, it'll yeah. benefit more yeah, than and I would say. Here. Yeah, I mean, in our lifetime, we'll probably see maybe a, a 50% realization of this, you know, whole plan. Yeah. You know, I don't, think, I don't think we'll see it down to, like, the tracking of every little thing or the, the mandatory this, that. But I think we'll see the health stuff. a lot the health of this in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Fitbit. Give me healthy. Like, that, that was my biggest problem yeah. with Wally was, like, everyone was fat. I'm like, wait, what did this super crazy computer keep everyone... <laughs> Thin and healthy, like even if they were just like yeah. vegging around all day, she's still a supercomputer that's trying to keep them all alive. So she'd keep them thin and healthy, right? Or just you know, and, and that's another point with big data too is that uh, your insurance risk could be identified in a very very computational way. Yeah. Um, so that would you'd price people out of yeah. Well, that's another debate to talk about insurance, insurance premiums. In general, so we'll talk about True. that. Later. True. All right, everybody, that's going to be the show for this week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Rumination Show. Drop us an email at ruminationshow at gmail.com and visit our website at ruminationshow.com. Let us know what we missed today and let us know if you have any ideas for a future episode of the show.